You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Irish podcast, folks, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, we are straight up talking about one thing and one thing only, the Notre Dame football program, their 31-14 loss to Alabama. Everything you need to know, our takeaways, maybe you share some of the same sentiments, the perspective that we're coming from, and then we have to have a serious, legitimate conversation on the direction of this program after this season. What needs to be done, what we think should be done, and again, maybe you share some of those same sentiments, and if you disagree, you can share your thoughts with us on social media, and as we will gladly talk it out with you. Before we get into that, folks, I am Joe DeLeon, former college long snapper from the University of Rhode Island, joined by Ryan Roberts, who is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. So, Ryan, we already have to roll into this, and... I don't. It, it's so tough for me to actually come in with a, a, a clear head because it's so frustrating from where we've come since beating Clemson. And understandably, Clemson at the time that they that Notre Dame beat them was when they were without Trevor Lawrence. They were missing some defensive players. That obviously the validity of that win is you know lost a little bit. Some parts of it are, and we're now at this point where the season is done. They looked sloppy against Alabama. And frankly, I I don't know about you, Ryan. That game felt a lot like a few years prior when they played Clemson in the college football playoff and they looked flat-footed to start the game and they hung around to a point where they covered but not well enough to actually stay in the game competitively. And there were points where they actually could have cut the game to one score. There were a lot of instances where they could have done something to be really close in the game and to make it a a hard-fought, close battle. But they just stayed a little bit far enough that they weren't in any position to actually tie the game or make it a a close football game where they could maybe win it at the last second. It felt a lot like that that Clemson loss a few years ago. Yeah, and it was – I'm very glad that we waited – you know, a couple days to really digest and talk about it because, I mean, honestly, like Friday night after the loss – I was ready to talk about it then just because I was so just disappointed and had so much energy that I wanted to really speak about it, you know, but I'm glad that we did take a couple days to digress a little bit and to really absorb the game. And I think this speaks volumes to the conversation because two days after this loss now, recording on a Sunday, I still have the same thoughts. It's not going away. I've digested everything. And I am still very disappointed in this in, in this effort and this just what we saw from Notre Dame. Because, I mean, I was always an optimistic person with this thing, right? And then Notre Dame has the guts after winning the coin toss to say, I want the football. I want the football, which I thought was a great strategy because, hey, man, we want to keep that Alabama offense off the field. And I was very happy and I was very excited. And then – from the start, 
we see the same things that I've been talking about all year, that we've been talking about all year, the limitations to this game, the limitations of the offense. I know we're going to get into the offense to start here. So the, the limitations are the same exact limitations that worry you every single week, every single year. It's the same story. So I know we're going to have a deep conversation about what is the next step here for the Irish and for the program. But for me, that first drive encapsulated what is wrong with this team. I don't want to sit here and throw all the blame at Ian Book because this is not just an Ian Book thing. There were completely, I mean, we were outmatched in some positions so much so that I am worried about like, hey man, what is this team going to look like? Because we're going to have to change a lot of things. But from an offensive perspective, for me, that first drive, get a first down or two, running the football, it looks great. And then we open up the passing, we try to open up the passing game a little bit, right? Ian Book gets frantic, throws the ball on first and 10, behind the line of scrimmage, fumble. And... Now it's second and 14. The next play, they just run a little mesh crosser. Javon McKinley's wide open. Might get a first down if he catches this football. He's got a huge lane, it looks like. Ability to turn up the field. Airmails it. Almost throws an interception. And for me, that was the talking point throughout the entire game. Because, you know, quarterbacks get some unfair blame at points. But I look at, hey, man, you, like you said, coming out of halftime, we're down 21-7. to We get a stop. Notre Dame's going down. They have a nice drive going. They no, uh, Ian Book extends the pocket, throws that corner route to Michael Mayer, interception, that absolutely killed the momentum because then they go down 28-7 to before we know it. Now it's not potentially a one-score game because my whole thing is, hey, man, I just want to be in this football game. I want to be in the football game at the end, and then let's see what happens. Let's see what, how much the mental toughness comes into effect, This what how this team gets juiced because, hey, I'm excited to be here, and I know I can compete with this team. But now you're down 28-7. to They, again, have a nice drive, go all the way down, third and goal from the 10-yard line or so. Ian Book airmails a post that should have been a touchdown that, hey, like you're not in the game in the game, but cutting it 28-14, to now let's see what happens going into the fourth quarter. There were so many missed throws and so many missed opportunities from Ian Book. And throughout the entirety of this football game, the other big crux to Notre Dame's offense all season is – because we know running backs are good. We know the offensive line is good. We know the tight ends are good. We know Michael Mayer's a stud. We know Kyron Williams. Like, we know these guys. My biggest thing all year is we don't have speed outside. We have a couple guys that are playing well. Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek. Especially Ben Skoranek. I was really impressed by a lot of what I saw in Ben Skoranek this year. But we don't have any speed. Everyone just kept highlighting Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan. He is shutting the half the field down. Well, Yes, he's a very good football player. That's why he's going to be in the first round, potentially in the 2021 NFL draft, and potentially high. But, man, there were some opportunities there, but we don't have the quarterback to get it to him, and we don't have wide receivers that can create enough separation. That is the biggest issue in this offense. And, again, we talked about it from a week-to-week basis. This is the worst parts of Notre Dame's offense. This is the crux. At the end of the day, those things were, were just too much for Notre Dame to overcome. They ran the ball nice in spurts. They threw a couple screens to, to Chris Tyree, especially one huge one early in the game. There were some good moments. Michael Mayer had a good football game. Like There were some good things to take away from this game, but at the end of the day, the quarterback wasn't good enough, and the outside receivers, the speed on the outside, was not nearly good enough to contend with the athletes that Alabama has. So I want to touch on, you already mentioned how we came into this game optimistic, and if anybody wants to you know, chirp us for picking Notre Dame to win this football game, we're, we're, first of all, we're coming from 
we were coming from the Notre Dame fan perspective. We're fans. But if you spoke to anybody who had a realistic approach, heck, even Jimmy Stein said that he thought this game was going to be closer and that Notre Dame was going to end up covering, which which they ended up doing. The, the spread was obviously enormous. But a lot of people understood if you looked at the matchups in this game, Notre Dame actually matched up fairly well. And, and in various spots in this game, if you take a look back and you go back and rewatch the game, they actually took advantage of those matchups. But the problem is they didn't do it consistently. So I want to open up today's show talking about first offensive takeaways. My big takeaway here, Ryan, is as soon as they didn't score points on those first two drives, I knew that this game was going to be very hard for Notre Dame to get back into. And they did have an opportunity when Ian Book threw that interception in the third quarter where it it was going to be a one-score game. But the thing that we spoke upon the whole week heading into this is that they had the matchups, beneficial matchups, where they could at some point slow down Alabama's offense, but you were not going to slow them down out of the gate because they were going to run the ball well, and then they were going to set up their their passing game off of those rushing plays. They didn't they didn't run any, anything crazy passing-wise. It was all really simple, short route concepts. It wasn't like they were banging them deep for you know long, deep, deep passing uh passing plays every single time it was Najee Harris picking up easy yardage seven yards a clip seven yards a clip and then eventually that was able to set up a guy like Devonta Smith to get open but that we're going to get to that that defensive stuff the big thing here is that you were not going to be able to slow them out slow them down out the gate you needed to stay within one score in order to be competitive in this game and just from a, a momentum standpoint as soon as they didn't score on those first two drives I knew immediately is going to be very, very difficult for Notre Dame to hang around just because of the circumstance and who you were playing. A team that was averaging 500 yards of total offense a game, you needed, you didn't need to stop them out of the gate. You just needed to score and stay within within those uh, close point totals, at least one score, and eventually down the line, they probably could have tied the game up. But that 14-point deficit was far too much for them to, to overcome early on in the game. And, and it's, it's, I mean, Joe, we've been talking about it all year, man. Like, Notre Dame is a methodical offense that needs to run the football to be successful. Like, their play-action game. Like, that's where they're going to make their money. And when you go down 14 points, Notre Dame even had a nice drive and score there and cut it to 14-7 to where you're like, okay, we got a little something here going. But the minute that Notre Dame gets behind the sticks, and I, I, I'm going to continue to highlight that second of 14 because for me, man, like, it was methodical early on in that first drive. And then the minute it's second and 14 – it's over with. The minute you're down 14 to nothing, it's over with. The minute that you go down 21 to 7, it's over with. Because Why? Because Notre Dame's passing attack is not built to win this way. They have to be able to run the football, and they did in spurts, man. I, if, if we're talking about positives offensively for Notre Dame, Kyron Williams is real, man. Like, he is real. Some of the runs that he had during this game were phenomenal. Michael Mayer could go play football in the NFL right now. And I'm not saying he'd be like a star tight end in the NFL, but like him at 18 years old right now could go and last on an NFL field. That is how special he is. Kyron Williams is special. Chris Tyree could be special. There's so many good things to come from this game. But when the minute that you get behind the sticks, get behind the scoreboard, Notre Dame does not have the passing offense. Does not They're not structured to win that way. And that, for me, was the biggest difference in the game. They can't win a game coming from behind. They have to be like they did against Clemson. Like, everyone is going to continue to talk like they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, I get it. I get it. But Notre Dame got up in that game early, 
And they didn't have to work from behind and work the passing a game. They were able to stay on schedule. Notre Dame can't get off the schedule to be successful. And that's the other piece to it. I'm really glad that you brought that up. The success that we've seen from Notre Dame this year is not an explosive passing attack or an offense that's going to pick up 50-yard gains, big explosion plays in a five-play drive. They're just not going to do that, especially against Alabama, when they did score their first touchdown, it was because they had a very methodical, well-calculated drive of running the ball to, to Kyron Williams, getting him the ball in space, and that worked perfectly. That was something that they didn't do on the first two drives because for some reason, Tommy Reese's plan was to come out and throw the ball early and often, and that that led to some issues. We don't need to go into the play calling because I know you disagree with me, Ryan, but I, I think that as soon as you go down 14, 14 points – you're already putting yourself at a serious disadvantage because it's going to take you eight to 10 minutes to score a touchdown. You're just not going to against a well-coached balanced defense. We, we mentioned now that they had deficiencies where they could still pick up good yardage and score points against this, against this defense, which they did not at the level that we had hoped. <clears throat> but you are not going to be able to do that multiple times a game, especially after wasting early drives. You needed those eight, that those eight minute drives, those eight minute spans, to stay within the game and to score points. You can't do that continuously throughout the game. You're just not going to, especially when the team you're playing is good at managing the clock and dominating time of possession. Yeah, and and I mean the biggest difference is like we've seen Notre Dame fall behind a couple times this year. Syracuse, Boston College, where they were able to fight back. The difference is is Boston Colleges and the Syracuse are going to hit a wall where like, hey, they're not, they're not built this way to score this much, score this fast either. So that's how you crawl back in this football game. For me, like Alabama, the minute that you fall behind, you're in a bad situation because they're going to keep scoring. You might stop them a couple drives. Like I don't think the expectation for Notre Dame was ever like, we're going to – we're just going to physically dominate Alabama's offense. Like, they have too many talented players. Devonta Smith, John Mechie, Najee Harris, like, the tight end, Jaleel Billingsley, it looks like a nice little player. Like, they they have guys, man. We're not going to completely shut them out, obviously. But the minute that you fall behind by two scores, I mean, and I, I personally did not think that the play calling was terrible. I thought that there were missed opportunities. And when missed opportunities happen, for me, that's more a player fault than a coach's fault. Like you, you can only put a player in a position to make a play. At the end of the day, Ian Book's airmailing balls and throwing interceptions, bad interceptions when he probably could have just ran for like five or six yards. So you know, I just again, Notre Dame's not built this way, and I think that there are some definite limitations on this offense at the skill position players, namely outside receiver and quarterback. That I'm going to continue to harp on because for me, like people want to highlight, and and Brian Kelly talked about it after the game, like. Oh, Ian Book won 30 games. We, we really need to take a step back and just appreciate the player he was. I can appreciate the player he was without still with with while still having the mindset that he's not good enough, though. I'm sorry. He's not. Mm -hmm. he, he's a good player. He cemented himself in Notre Dame history, but he's not good enough. Coming up, we're going to talk about some defensive takeaways and uh, just our general thoughts to wrap up the breakdown on what happened in this game and then we're going to again talk about the direction of this team going forward before we get into that folks i want to talk to you about bet online we had the bull season now wrapping up but we are turning the page towards the nfl playoffs things are about to get wild we've got a ton of great matchups coming up not to mention the nba and college basketball starting to heat up there's only one place that you 
that has you covered in one place that you can trust. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code locked on for your 50% off, sorry, your 50% welcome bonus. Again, I say this all the time. Don't be like me, guys. I used to be the one dude who knew way more about sports than the rest of his friends, and my friends would text me. I have made my friends so much money over the season. Don't be like me. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Funny is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. So, Ryan, let's get into talking about this defense and what we saw. And I want to touch on something that we harped on the entirety of the week. We spoke a lot about, and one of my biggest focuses was you're not going to completely shut down a guy like Najee Harris. You're not going to, it was going to be hard to have the success that we saw they had against Travis Etienne and and Javonta Williams and Michael Carter. But if you could have at least limited him to one of his weaker performances of the season, I think there could have been more opportunities to slow down this Alabama team. And we saw with the with the huge play that he had where he hurtled, I think it was Nick McLeod. He, he jumped over Nick McLeod, picks up all those yards. That was the epitomization of the rushing success that day because before that, he was picking up like seven yards a clip. He was having a very easy time finding rushing lanes. And ultimately, as I mentioned earlier, that is what helps set up Alabama's offense further. The dependence on trying to slow down the run and then the inability while you're so dependent on trying to slow down Najee Harris is going to eventually set up easy passing opportunities, quick passes for Mac Jones. And we talked about the whole week how Mac Jones is a really good college quarterback, but he's not a guy that is going to play hero ball and win the game on his own. And we actually saw a couple instances where they did really well on first and second down, slowing down the run, and they forced Alabama into third and five and longer, and that was where they got their stops. That was where they got the ball back. They didn't take advantage of those opportunities offensively, but if if they were a little bit better at slowing down Najee Harris, I think early on in this game, it, 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 I don't want to keep saying it could have been a different game, but that was the issue, is that they were having so much trouble stopping the run. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's very cliche to say, like, a couple plays here right. and there. It could be a different game. But, I mean, it's true, though. <laughs> it is true. Like, people people always say, like, oh, that's, you know, whatever. But it, it could have been a potentially different game. For me, like, I was watching, and I'm just like, like, usually Devonta Smith, right? Like, you're going to imagine him because he is that vertical kind of guy that's going to stress a defense and be able to run some posts and some comebacks and and go routes and and subtle head fakes. Like that's kind of the receiver style that he is. And I think that a lot of people were very, were very scared um, and very, you know, tentative that like, man, Nick McLeod and Clarence Lewis and, and, you know, the other cornerbacks for Notre Dame, like Tariq Bracey, like those guys, 
it's not a good matchup if they're one-on-one against him working vertically. But no, but Alabama took a completely different approach. They were like, they assumed that Notre Dame was going to try to crowd the line of scrimmage and take away Najee Harris, which wasn't even that effective. But they they had that that in thought in their minds, and they said wherever the number battle is, we're going to throw a screen out to a guy like Smith and to Mechie and even to Miller Forrestall and different players like that in space, and we're going to let our athletes be better athletes than what you have in the secondary. And that was, for me, the big – it was very – I'm trying to pick the best word here. It was obviously detrimental to Notre Dame's success, but it was, it's de- debilitating a little bit, you know, being able to watch, and you're, you're looking on like a, even like a third and short or third and six or second and seven, like whatever it is, and they're just throwing out a screen and they're getting first downs just because their athletes are just better than ours, man. And Harris is going to get his at some points. There were, you know, some moments where Notre Dame's run defense was okay, but early in the game it was not. And then, you know, the the hurdle over Nick McLeod was one of the most insane plays I've ever seen from uh, by a running back. So shout out to Najee Harris because man, he came to play and he showed why he is widely valued as a potential first round overall uh, first round pick. And that's why Devonta Smith is valued now as as a potential first round pick. Like those guys took every advantage of their athletic um, upside and their their advantage athletically against Notre Dame. And we saw what the clear advantage was. It wasn't just finding numbers game. It was just straight up, man. Like their athletes are better than our athletes. Where we needed our second and third level defenders to, to make a play in space, they weren't able to make it. And they just, I mean, shout out to Alabama. It was a great game plan. They let their athletes be athletes. And that was it for us because we, we just had no answer for those players, and even Jalil Billingsley and Miller Forrestal and these in these types of players, Notre Dame was never able to make them uncomfortable in the run game, in the pass game. They they tried some some pressures early, didn't really get home with it um, against Mac Jones, and they just weren't able to make anything uncomfortable. You had to be able to pick your spots with some run blitzes and blitzes against passes, and you were not able to cause any penetration and chaos in the backfield enough to, to stop these guys early because the only success that we had against Najee Harris was, hey, oh, may, maybe it's a run blitz, and, and we were able to hit Harris a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage. He's still able to probably get like two or three yards, but you stopped the momentum early. For Notre Dame, they weren't able to stop the momentum early, and they weren't able to to um, to match up against these guys in space. It just wasn't where the advantage was going to be. That's honestly, I think, what makes it so much more crushing when you take a look back and you rewatch this game. They didn't do anything overtly complex offensively, and I touched on that earlier. Didn't really go into a ton of detail on it, but if you look at the play calling and what they were doing, like that's it's not like they called some wild complicated passing attack that was too confusing to pick up. It was just a matter of their athletes were put in very advantageous situations and there was really not much of a counter. You didn't really see a way to react to that. If you're coming into that game knowing you have a disadvantage athletically, it, it almost makes you wonder why wasn't there maybe a little bit more attention put on a Devonta Smith where you ask Kyle Hamilton to play some some bracket coverage. And I know that's maybe not the best approach, but that's just an example. And I'm not questioning Clark Lee here, but they they didn't have a way to counter it is almost the way that it felt is the better way of explaining it. No, I mean, and you're completely right. The, the problem is like we depend on Kyle Hamilton in so many different roles in so many different areas of the game. It's, 
it's tough to just say like, man, like you're 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 the Najee Harris or you're the Devonta Smith, you know, negator. Like you are the guy that has to stop them. And it, I mean, if we had a couple of those guys, like Alabama has a couple of those guys, then it's a completely different conversation. It's just so difficult because at the end of the day, man, like you were trying to stick to what made you successful during the year and you just weren't, it's just not a good matchup for you. And, and shout out to Alabama. They didn't overcomplicate their approach. They didn't make, the, they, they weren't reinventing the wheel. They said, our athletes are more athletic than you. How many screens did they throw in this game? Like how many did they throw? They threw more screens in this game than I had seen in any game of them on film this year. They knew what the advantage was. And at the end of the day, hats off to Alabama. They were the better football team and they didn't get in their way. A lot of coaches can overthink and overcomplicate things. They did not. They stuck to what they knew, gave them the advantage to win and the clear advantage to win. Coming up, we are going to talk about the direction of this program and what might need to be the adjustments going forward, what we think, what we uh, believe should be the right thing done. Ryan, before we get to that, though, can you talk to our listeners about Bilt Bar? Yeah, before me and Joe even got on the Locked On Podcast Network, I'd always been a big believer and a big advocate for Bilt Bar, which is the absolutely the best protein bar I've ever had. If you're looking for a a supplement that not only makes you perform the best to your ability, but also tastes delicious. Built Bar is absolutely for you. It's now back and even better than before. It has an improved uh, recipe that is even more delicious than you might remember it if you're coming back to it now. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, including both nut and non-nut flavors. They have the six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All these new flavors are also equally delicious as the 12 original flavors. If you are a traditionalist, you can go back to the coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel. So many great flavors and the absolute best protein bar I've ever had is peanut butter brownie. All the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy on the go, especially after New Year's. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, all the bars are low calorie, low sugar, but also high in protein, high in fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. Some of those flavor profiles I talked about before, peanut butter included, has 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, only 5 gram net carbs. Other recipes such as coconut almond, cherry barcia, cookies and cream, they also have very similar nutritional facts, so they're all equally as good for you as they are delicious. Bill Bar has also now reset the promo code for this relaunch, so you can get a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. So take advantage of that that offer while you can. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's all capital, Locked On, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Folks, if you haven't done so already, go and hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our shows. Additionally, later on in the week, next show on Tuesday, we're going to talk about the UNC Notre Dame basketball game just because that happened over the weekend. It was a wild game. Notre Dame loses by one point. There's some takeaways that we can have from that. We wanted to focus this episode on football, just the timing of things cause that to be pushed back a little bit but eventually we're going to completely transition to basketball we're also going to spend a lot of time recapping the season talking about some of the various takeaways that we have from the year 
let's start that conversation now, though. Let's start the conversation of what really needs to be done. And I think that we right now need to have an honest conversation with ourselves, folks. And I know that there are there is a swinging pendulum of opinions when it comes to this. But if we're being honest with ourselves right now, I think we need to start talking about moving on from Brian Kelly as the head coach of Notre Dame. And the way that I look at this, Brian Kelly has had a very good tenure at the University of Notre Dame. He has produced uh, a number of winning programs. He is the all-time winning coach at the University of Notre Dame, or he's up there. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He has produced a lot of wins. He's been here for a very long time. He's recruited some very good athletes, some very good football players, produced some really good NFL talents. But the one thing that he has continually fallen short on is at the end of the season, when the lights turn on and an important game is being played, they have fallen short. And it's one of those things where not only have they lost, but it has consistently been in a manner that is embarrassing to the university and the program. We think back the last time this team won a national championship, 1988. It's been that long. And I would argue, you know, around the early 2000s and obviously before that, at one point in time, our older Notre Dame listeners and alumni are going to definitely agree with the sentiment. The University of Notre Dame at one point was the greatest college football program in history. They had the winning totals. They had the winning percentage totals, the national championships, the Heisman trophies. And over the past decade and arguably past two decades, Notre Dame hasn't come anywhere close to that. And Brian Kelly has been here for a very long time. And while he has won a lot of football games and he has made this team good, he has not reached the expectation that has been previously set, which is winning national championships. That is what the goal is here. This is not Michigan State or Indiana, where their goal is if we have a really good year, we're going to be in the top 10, maybe we'll go to the playoff, we'll compete for our conference championship, and we'll play in a big bowl game. And then maybe we win, maybe we don't. Those programs don't have the history that Notre Dame does. That can't be the expectation. That can't be what we're satisfied with right now. We can't sit here and continually be satisfied with, oh, they were number four. It's okay. It's hard for them to recruit because they're such a good academic school. It's okay. They made it to the playoff. They made it to the ACC championship game. It's okay. No, I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm obviously a much younger fan than everybody else, but I can tell you my dad who's an alumni and all the alumni that, I, that I've spoken to, I know a lot of people that graduated from, from Notre Dame in the 80s. A lot of people. And they're all justifiably frustrated as I am. And I can't imagine what it's like for them because they actually experienced the winning. Got a taste. They got a taste. I want to hear your thoughts, Ryan. But we've reached that point where great job, Brian Kelly. You had a really good time here at Notre Dame. But either this offseason or the next, something has to be done. It's been too long. It's been far too long that they have not been successful in the one aspect that is the most important for the University of Notre Dame. We are not an average program. This is not a program that is satisfied with 10 win seasons. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me a third time. What are we doing? And I love 
your excerpt there, right? Because honesty, honesty is the most important thing here. No, Brian Kelly has done a good job at Notre Dame because, to be frank, in the Bob Davey, Tyron Willingham, Charlie Weiss eras of Notre Dame history, Notre Dame was a shell of what they had been because we're talking about, despite them not being, quote-unquote, super relevant over the last 30 years since the early 90s, they are still second all-time in wins, second all-time in national champions. I think they're still second all-time in Heisman Trophy winners. This program is one of the blue bloods in college football and has been. Well, what has changed? What has changed? The difficulties recruiting, it was always there. The, the outlook on Notre Dame has changed so drastically now that we're looking at a team now that consistently wins 10 wins, that gets to 10 wins. They do that. Double-digit wins now over the last few years since Brian Kelly made the change after the 4-8 and eight season a few years ago. They are consistently winning 10-plus games. They are being in the conversation of the playoffs, and they have made it now twice. And they were in the National Championship game in 2012, well, the 2012 season, the 2013 National Championship game against Alabama. But at some point, and there is a thing to be said about stability. Stability is nice. And it's definitely better than it was. But for a team, for a program with the history that Notre Dame does, at a certain point, we have to ask ourselves, what is the cap of success here? Is this the best it's ever going to get under Brian Kelly? And I think after now three times on the big stage, not even counting you know Georgia last year, and obviously those are big stages. I'm talking about national championships or playoffs. Now three times under Brian Kelly in those big games, they've it's been decisive. They haven't even been on the field with them. They haven't been in the conversation. We have hit the cap with Brian Kelly. This is the best it's going to get. And for some people, it might be good enough. But like you laid it out here, for one of the most historical programs ever, it can't be good enough. And this is no shot at Brian Kelly because he's a good football coach. There's no doubt. I live right outside of Philadelphia. Andy Reid was a very good football coach. But at some point, the Eagles said, we have to stop this because we have hit our cap with Andy Reid. It is not getting better. It is getting worse. We are starting to regress. And we are getting complacent with just making the playoffs, making NFC Championship games, losing a Super Bowl. That was good enough for the Eagles. And what happens? He leaves for Kansas City. He does an incredible job. He's won a Super Bowl since leaving Philly. But Philadelphia also, Doug Peterson comes in, and he wins a Super Bowl a couple years, a couple years later. The change was good for both sides. And the change has to be something to be considered here. Because if we are okay with doing this, then we have now moved past what Notre Dame has stood for for so long. And if complacency sets in, we're never going to hit there. And we, can be, and we can be grateful for Brian Kelly for bringing stability. And we can give Brian Kelly all the credit in the world for what he has done without, with still being able to sit back and say, but we need better. This can't be what we settle for. This can't be the peak. This can't be. Stability is great. But until we're winning national championships, it doesn't matter what, what your year-by-year year, you know, consistency is if the consistency isn't you being good enough to win a national championship. It has to happen soon. Or else we're going to get into this lull where Brian Kelly, it's just it's good, man. It's good. It's not great, but it's good. No. We've now seen Alabama's, the Clemson's, Ohio State's. These teams now have ascended well past Notre Dame. And 
for what? What are we doing here? At some point, we have to be real with ourselves and say, Brian Kelly, you did a good job, man. The, the, the program was not in a good spot, but it's not good enough, and it can't be good enough. And honestly, too, hearing what he said after the game, I think, was even more frustrating. I don't know how I need to keep – I really don't want to continue to go down this path. We're going to keep getting here, okay? And we're going to keep banging at it. And you guys watched the game, didn't you? They made plays on the perimeter. They made some dynamic plays. They have the college football player of the year who made some dynamic plays. Um, we battled. We were right there. Um, you know, so we're going to keep getting back here. And I'm sorry if, if you don't like it or if the national media doesn't like it, but we're going to go back to work. We're going to keep recruiting, and we're, we're going to put ourselves back in this position again. Um, and, and I think our kids battled and played really hard and physical. We ran the ball today. Um, and, and I'm not taking it personal because these questions keep, keep coming up like we have to reinvent ourselves. We were physical today. Um, they were dynamic on the perimeter like they have been all year. This is a really good football team. Um, and... We're just going to keep recruiting and keep playing, and we're going to keep putting ourselves in this position. And that's all we can do. Some of the comments that you hear from him, and he's talking about, you know, like people mentioning the big games, and, and his response to that is is mentioning, oh, you, you, when you talk about big games, you're talking about when we play the elite teams. Everybody has the same problem. Well, why aren't why isn't Notre Dame one of those elite teams? That's the problem is that they've continually been on the outside looking in. And, and for me, Ryan – you're mentioning here we've been fooled multiple times. Brian Kelly, it's not like his third year or fifth year where we can say, oh, he's getting really close. It's not easy to turn your program into a national championship program that quickly. They're close. They're not, not that far off. And that was the sentiment that you started to hear from people, which I didn't disagree with. But he has been at Notre Dame for a very long time now. He has had multiple opportunities you cannot be given more opportunities to fail because there's already been clear indication, I would argue, three times on the national level, separate from the bowl games that they've been embarrassed in. When you have those specific opportunities and you fail every single time, what else can you prove? There has not been a single ounce of, they haven't won one of them. There's not one game in there I can say, all right, well, okay, he did that. You know, that's, that's a little bit of proof. Every single time. What is going to change? How is he suddenly going to change how, his approach? We're in catch-up mode. We're in catch-up yeah. mode, too, which is, like I think, the worst part was we need a coach. And, again, no disrespect to Brian Kelly. We need a coach that says we need to get creative here and we need to move past the catch-up phase and we need to get in the forefront and that's not an easy thing to do. I'm not sitting here and saying there's an easy fix here. What I'm saying is we saw in 2012 how different Alabama and Notre Dame were. And the gap is closer than it was in 2012. So I want to put that out there. It is closer. So that's not a complete lie. But we're, we have changed some parts of our team to be able to compete with Alabama. But we haven't changed the whole philosophy and the whole structure of this roster. We're, play, we're in catch-up mode. We're constantly, we need to fix this to get here. We need to fix here. Well, no, man. You need to get above Alabama. You can't get to where Alabama was. You need to get above them. 
So I, I it's just it, it's a broken record at this point. I it's probably not going to change. I mean, I honestly, Joe, like I'm I'm glad we did not record on Friday or any yeah. earlier, early on Saturday, because I was going to sit here and be like, man, Urban Meyer, get me Urban Meyer. Well, obviously that's not <laughs> happening anymore. That's not happening anymore. Uh, but there needs to be some type of change to that degree where we say, man, we're all in and we need to change things now. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good note to end us off here on. And I'm, I'm curious to hear what Notre Dame fans think. I honestly, just from talking to a lot of fans and alumni who were fans when this team was in, it's most successful agree with that similar sentiment. They're tired of watching a good program. They want to watch an elite one. They want to see an elite program play. And we'll probably take some time over the next month of January. Talk a little bit about, all right, this, you know, this is something to note. This is something to note. Uh, Like we, we actually already have headlines that we didn't have time to talk about today. And I think we'll probably talk about tomorrow, which is multiple players announced that they're entering the transfer portal key backup players, depth players. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to hit on all that. We're going to spend this month recapping every so often, filling you in and also talking about college basketball. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for what is going to come. Please also follow us on social media at Locked on Irish, at Joe DeLeon and at Rise and Draft uh, on Twitter. Please subscribe if you enjoy the show and leave us a review. Would really appreciate if you left us a review. Um... To give us some positive feedback. And if you're looking for something else to tune into, go to Locked on Bets and make yourself some money, folks. Talk to you on Tuesday. Tuesday.